When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Whiskey Ginger fans? If you want to come see the Red Rocket live, we've been through this before. I got a couple dates left before the Red Rocket tour in 2020. Got some great dates right now, currently at this very moment. I'm in San Francisco, California, one of the greatest places on planet Earth. Beautiful bridges, beautiful people, freaks, geeks, lots of hills. I love it. I'm at Cobb's Comedy right now this weekend. Next weekend, um, I'm going to be in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana at Helium, uh, as you can see right here. That's where all this stuff is. And then I take a break for Turkey Day, fill my belly, and I go to California again. I come back to California to do a couple of shows. I'm doing um, the Brea Improv, uh, and then I go to do the Ice House in Pasadena. Uh, that's it for the year. That's it for me, and then I'm going to go party a little bit. And then it starts the Red Rocket Tour, as you can see right here, this beautiful art. How sexy is that? Thank you, Jenna and Joseph, for killing it. Um, it's beautiful, man. We're going to be touring around this beautiful country, kicking out fun. Uh, and all these dates, I'm trying to do a Fridays with a fan or I kick it with a fan. I'll put it up on my Instagram. So follow me on Instagram, subscribe to this, please. Um, like it, go to the podcasts, uh, and leave a comment. Give me five stars, do whatever you got to do to promote this, push it around, spread the word, man. Cause I really do appreciate you guys very, very much. I mean that it means a lot to me to be able to do this. Uh, and connect with the fucking fans. I love it so much. It is incredible for me. Um, and uh, I want you to help keep this thing running so I can keep doing it for you. So subscribe and do all the good stuff. And uh, do yourself a big favor and enjoy the episode. This episode of Whiskey Ginger is brought to you by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is going to take care of you, dude. Listen, you having a little bit of trouble with the Peter Piper Pector pick a pack of pepper, pepper peppers? <laughs> If you're having a little bit of trouble with your uh, the man downstairs, um, do yourself a big favor and uh, go to bluechew.com and get yourself some excellent enhancements, okay? Uh, Blue Chew is for every dude. You don't have to be embarrassed about it. It's something that f- millions of American males face. They've been a little bit of trouble keeping it rough and tough and tumble. Uh, you want to go more than one time? Listen, I've had a little bit of trouble going two or three times. You know, by the time I get to five, I'm a little sleepy. So I pop a blue chew and I feel good. I'm being real. The Red Rocket takes off after you take one of these things. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. You don't got to go see a doctor. You can do it on your computer, get it sent to your house. It takes care of all that weird anxiety and all that creepy feeling about, you know, asking someone for help. This you can do from the comfort of your own home. Go to bluechew.com. Use the promo code whiskey to get yourself a first free sample. Um, pay $5 for shipping. Um, that's it. So go to bluechew.com, use the promo code whiskey, and uh, get, some, uh, get some more boost to your red rocket. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. Oh, that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers, oh, hell no. This whiskey is excellent. Ginger. I like gingers. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it once again today. It's Mr. Duncan Trussell. Duncan, <laughs> thank, you. thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, we're drinking a little bit of Eagle Rare for those that need to know. Mm. Uh, Dunk and I are both having it. Um, it's really good. Straight up, which is what we talked about off air, is that uh, a, a wise Irishman once told me, there are no rules to how you drink whiskey. Some people like it on the rocks. Some people like it straight up. You like it up. I like it. Well, you know, I don't, <coughs> I really like, just like whiskey. I don't have a preference mm. one way. I do like it. I like whiskey gingers. I like just whiskey in general. I don't drink yep. it all the time, though. I've had, I haven't had whiskey in probably four months or something. Wow. So this is really mm. special. It's good? Oh, yeah. Wait, why four months? Consciously? You were like, I... Oh, yeah. What happened? No, it was sort of conscious. It mm. was, I don't know why. It's a weird... I don't know why we have not had whiskey at the house. Hmm. It's maybe it's because the baby, something about drinking whiskey <clears throat> around the baby or something. Hmm. But I think that's. Do babies drink whiskey? Well, the baby loves whiskey. Like that's the other. <coughs> the baby thing. got a hold of the whiskey. No, but the baby's doing that reincarnated. Like in the hmm. in Tibetan Buddhism, it's called the tulku system, where they take children and they recognize stuff from past lives, and they'll oh. like pick that, and that's how they know who like the next Dalai Lama is going to be. Who is the next Dalai Lama? Do we know? Well, he, they don't know yet because you have to die. Could it be your kid? No way. Because technically the way that would work is no. Because the, the idea is the soul of the awakened being, when the body drops, chooses another. Ooh, the, another portal. Another portal. portal, yes. And then like there's all these signs and, and the signs lead. It's very much like the three wise men in the Bible. It like, right. leads people to the child and then they bring the possessions that used to belong to the former uh, incarnation and then but they mix it in with all this other stuff wow and the baby like picks the glasses and picks the thing Whoa. and then that confirms it's the baby and then they take the baby it's a huge honor for the parents but it's also very controversial and the Dalai Lama has I think kind of hinted that maybe that system might be on the way out actually why I like that system well, yeah, but then, you know, there's the, the criticism. I do, too. I think it's cool. But the criticism of it is, like, you mean it's some kind of, like, theocracy where the priests essentially steal a child and, yeah. and, and like, condition the child to... Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the... yeah. That's there has it. to be a sacrificial lamb, right? Someone has to be the thing. I love your attitude about... I mean, I think it's... for The, the way it's been explained to me is, at least in those times in Tibet, it was just a huge... Honor. It would be essentially like someone coming to you and saying that you're a royalty or that you would have wow. a child and they're like, oh, your child's a royalty. They've an they anoint you. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Um, it it's as if like you have a child and, and your kid becomes a Kardashian. Like you get anointed in American culture. Exactly. You become holier than thou. That's right. Well, yeah. we can only dream. Do you believe in reincarnation? Yeah, totally. You do? Yeah. In what form? See, like my mother believed, there's a lot of different versions. Like my mom believes you come back as... Um, not another human being, but another, uh, another like another form of an animal. She loves animal reincarnation. She believes that like mm. a cat, a dog, whatever. She doesn't believe you come back as another person. Well, the I think like the analysis of that stuff it starts with like this life. So yeah, and we kind of talked about it for a second, but it's sort of like you can look at your life and see that in the continuum of just your life, you've, you've basically reincarnated. If you look at you right. now versus when you were a baby, you have reincarnated. It's two completely different forms. Right. And then also if you look at the phases of your life, 
you realize like, oh shit, it's some like far back, it might as well have been a different life. You, it's a different house. It's, right. a, you know, and, and the older you get, the more you realize just how true that is. And yet there seems to be some kind of thread running through it all, right. which is the identity or, or the a sense of self or, or, or being something. So, uh, so that my, the way I've been taught about reincarnation is that it's more like a momentum thing. It's like anything that has momentum in the universe, uh, that momentum in some way, that energy keeps going. But, right. but the, it gets transferred into other things. Yeah, that's right. it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's just a natural, that's, that's a super scientific approach. Like your energy literally is going to go to somewhere else. One day I was high as shit and I was thinking, my heart is, a, is like this little machine that beats using its own electrical energy created by itself. So it's completely yeah. self-sustaining. And at some point it just stops. The machine turns off. Yeah. So the energy goes to a thing, right? It has to be displaced. But it's wild to think that the little machine just works on its own. On its own. Just because. On its own. I know. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. And then all like when you start doing that analysis at how many things are automatic yeah. that that require zero input from you. And then you take that, you know, right. you extrapolate that to like uh you know, the next time you go buy anything, like just watch how you buy something. And it's crazy because your body just goes into a completely automatic series of movements in the most fluid way. And you really don't think about it. You pull out your card, you swipe the card, you look at the person, you say thank you in some fake ass way. Or maybe you're serious. (laughs) Maybe for a second you like catch an eye, like you look at them, you're like, thanks. And then you leave. And then, but you really, if you look, it's mostly just completely automatic. Right. And then... None of that's none of none of that uh, exchange really has any connection to the per- person that's given it to you, right? I guess the parallel could be like when you first started exchanging gifts or first started exchanging goods or for services, there was a literal connection with the person that gave you the thing. They either made it or they're exchanging something for you right. because it's worth something to you. And yeah. in this case, everyone we're purchasing things from or obtaining things from has zero connection to the thing they're giving you. Almost always, uh, almost right? like always. a car salesman doesn't give a fuck about Hondas. He just no. has a job. No. He didn't make the Honda. No, yeah, he doesn't care. But the place that we come from is a place where we used to make the thing to trade or sell the thing to get things in return. Yeah. So there, that's why like human connection, I think, is severed a little bit because when people complain like customer service is dead, it's like it's not that it's dead. It's just that's not a part of our world anymore. We just that's unfortunately it's just a f- truth. It's like right. We don't. Not that we don't need it. It's just that's not. It's not a high functioning way for us to operate. Any we we no longer yeah. can create all of our own stuff and use that for exchange any longer. That's right. Yeah, it's it's true. It's and the shit that we're like, even the manufacturers of the things. You, quite often, the manufacturing process has so many little parts. Yeah, that there's no one even invested in the final product. It's just a thing that's gotten woven together. Yeah, and no one really even. Some people don't even know what they're fucking making. That's the cre- that, There was a great documentary on Netflix called. Um, American Companies, I think it was called American Company, and it was basically about the the um, the re um, the rebirth of the GM factory by this Chinese company that bought it, and essentially just the idea that most of these people are just assigned one little job, and they do it at too extreme. By the way, I mean the Chinese work absurd hours, right. and they make fun of the Americans for only working eight hour days, oh. you know, and wanting a lunch and shit. They just mock them, 
And so they stay after. They're like, we, we just stay. And wow. they're like, till when? And they're like, till we're done with the, the amount that we had to do. Wow. <laughs> it's fucking, dude, wow. it was crazy to watch. I mean, it was just, a, it was basically, it started this harmonious thing of like a, a little town that's going under being rebirthed by this Chinese company coming in, creating more jobs, all this stuff. Really, it turned into a, it was warfare. It was just like us versus them at some point. Really? That's essentially what happens because their way of life is so different. Uh, our way of work is so uniquely different. Fuck. It was nuts. So they were like, Americans are lazy. That's literally what the whole... The documentary is essentially like, Americans getting mad at work conditions being poor and unhealthy, and Chinese saying American are lazy babies. That's, that's literally what the documentary is about. So, wow, that's incredible. So they're sort of like, that's just like late stage industrial yeah. capitalism reaching the, the apex, which is that the worker not only is unaware of their, that they're being exploited... Right. But the worker has started taking pride in the level at which they're being exploited. Yes. And it's yeah. like other workers are like, well, you know, they're like, yeah, we don't want to get exploited as much as you. They're like, you fucking pussy. Let them exploit you. <laughs> don't you have any pride? Be a grown up and let them eat your soul alive. It's yeah. almost like if you're going to be. It's like it's like if I'm it's like the idea like if I'm dead if I'm dead just bury me in the ground let the bugs have me you know it's yeah. like well I'm already it's like if I'm already sacrificed to this thing then let me get eaten totally alive totally it alive. just ravage me use yeah. every single piece of me because I don't give a shit <sighs> yeah that's what they did it's a it's a wonderful documentary it shows I mean many other angles that's not the that's not the only point but that seems to be the pinnacle of the the apex of the documentary is all about the sacrifice that that culture makes versus what our culture needs and is used to right and by the way every single second of the day you're like yeah fucking people shouldn't work in fucked up conditions like uh, like of course not that's insane like right. they just have been conditioned to not complain because they're lucky to have jobs and they it's, it's, it's part of the the social zeitgeist it's like you just don't complain did we talk about i don't think we did and i don't know how true this is is the thing i heard but i think it's true how during the Industrial Revolution, they started putting clock towers in towns. No, I don't know this. Oh, yeah. And people were, like, basically rioting because they didn't want the clock towers. The clock towers were getting put there because they wanted people to come at a certain time. Right. And before that, people didn't really function like that. It yeah, was, you just made it when you made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or when the sun was coming up, you would right. want to go work in the, on the land. Right. But then the clock tower replaces sun... And so people re like viciously resisted it because they recognized how fucked up what was happening was. And then over time, we just got used to this concept of, well, 40-hour work week, 60-hour work week, overtime, commutes, and all that we all kind of were like, yeah, that's just the way it is. It's what yeah. you do. But it's it doesn't it doesn't really have to be that way. No. But we think it's that way, so we keep doing it. Do you yeah. ever think about that thing of like, what would happen if everybody just stopped working for a week? Yeah, what would happen? I think the economy would collapse. Maybe. If we just stopped spending money for a week and didn't go to work. If everyone stopped at once. Well, but yeah, you would need no, you would need like 80%. And then that 80% would have to be organized yeah. with just a set of demands. The problem with any of this is, or like, when somebody says, like, oh, the, these massive problems on paper should be easy to fix, right? Like, massive starvation and hunger and, like, poor water sources around the world. Yeah. You, there's a, many a smart people that go, well, if every billionaire literally got together and was like, I'll donate 
10% of my worth to make sure that this can happen. Yeah. It still wouldn't solve the problems. This is the same, follow me, because what I'm saying is like, there's so much bureaucracy to getting anything done. Like if you do a TV show or film or really anything, or even a stand, a live stand-up show, you begin to realize how many puzzle pieces need to like fit right. to make one thing happen. Yeah. So the only thing I could think of was when you're like, God, if everyone just stopped doing one thing all at once, you know, it, we could do it. But even when we all are doing something at once, we're still not doing it in unison, right? Like, you know how hard it is to, like at a football game, like that, that's, you know, thousands of people grouped together, right. but they're all kind of on their own system. Yeah. They're all in the same place. But to get everyone to do the same thing is li- almost impo- almost impossible. It would require like a bioweapon. It's crazy. That's what I mean. It, it, it would be the threat of the, the threat. You'd have to say like, we either all need to stop doing this immediately or I'll hit this button and we will die. Oh, that. But I mean more like somebody would, you know how there's so many things people don't want to talk about right now. Like right now we're really worried Let's about Trump about yeah. and we're really worried about our, the government. We're really worried about the environment. But- like, people don't seem like they want to talk about some of the other shit, which is CRISPR, gene editing, and... That shit's insane. AI, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, how much of what we do is just genetic data that we're reacting to and imagining it's free will. Right. So it's... I, I remember interviewing this guy at Singularity University, which is like... Ray Kurzweil and this guy, I think his name's Peter Diamandes. And they're all mm-hmm. these like, uh, they just study technology and look at like what you're talking about, which is what, what, what are like the main problems on planet earth? Right. One of them being dirty water, like filth, filth. Yeah. If we could clean the water, the, if we could figure out a, a really low cost, environmentally friendly mechanism for cleaning water, then we would instantly eliminate a huge swath of diseases that yeah. are waterborne illnesses and that would solve like one of the big problems of the world so they look at like that top-down stuff like what's at the very pinnacle the of pinnacle the, of the real issues right yeah yeah, yeah yeah so and what they found now is the real problem is that in the center of the earth there is a being a very evil being and he goes by many names yeah. And it's essentially what we call the devil. And so, yeah, they, if we can kill the devil, then the world, all the problems of the world will stop. But you, you want the devil to thrive. Well, look, it's like I don't see why we're going to do some kind of bigoted shit against the devil. What is it that he lives in? The, we're going to keep colonizing all the way down into hell. Is that our plan? Yeah. Chop the head off some subterranean being? If you want- think it has a head. It has a lot of heads, but that's See? one of the problems is the heads grow back right away, right? but they grow back as your parents. So like you uh, cut the heads off and then you have to cut your parents' heads off and then it's a real fucking mess. It's just a continual, <clears throat> it's just a, just a big domino effect. The problem, I think people aren't realizing it. This guy in this interview, I, he, he was telling me like, oh, like the problem is that as technology becomes more accessible for everybody, mm-hmm. then... That means that people are going to get more access to things like, for example, right now, if you and I want to shoot a satellite up in the sky and have a successful satellite, we we don't have the technology to do that. It would be no. very expensive. But we could get it done, but it'd be very hard. It would be a lot of money. You'd have yeah. to, but and probably there's crazy like 
licenses you might have to get to launch. I yeah. don't know. We would break the law to get it done. Yes. We could. Yeah. You could. Yeah. But there, he, one of the things he's saying is like, that's probably in like 20 or 30 years, that's going to be a thing people could just do. Yeah, to be like, I just want to send a satellite up just to bounce information to or somebody just else. just shoot a satellite down. And that's then the so other bad. thing he said is like, you know, based on the way we're beginning to understand uh, 3D printers, we're going to have biological 3D printers. Now, you know, let's say it's like 50 years, you know, which isn't that long. No. Um, what but was, it's long for technology. It's long for technology. It probably won't even be that long. But let's just imagine in it was going to be 30 years before people are going to be able to use 3D printers to print viruses. What? Yeah, that's what he was saying is like, oh, basically where we're headed is it's going to get to the point where the shit people are doing with like AR-15s, they're going to be able to do with Ebola. Holy fuck. Yeah. So you're just print and print print tens and thousands of versions of disease. Yeah. And then not only that, but like if this CRISPR stuff were, if you were able to like somehow print a virus that when it got into you, it didn't give you a disease, but it just changed your chromosomes or your genetics <laughs> so that it made you more docile or maybe it made you more like, I don't know, just less interested in nationalism or if you could right. find genes associated with specific personalities, specifically, let's just say schizophrenia, and you weaponize some virus that makes people schizophrenic, then you could theoretically drive a, a country insane. This was with some genetically engineered. Yeah. Where do you think they would start? Oh, I think it would uh, probably here. But I mean, like, what group of people do you think they would target? Because I, th I feel uh, like whenever diseases or, uh, you know, whenever things are created, whenever the government is aided in pushing out of something, whether or not you believe that to be true is your own opinion, but whether or not you think that crack wasn't targeted, that's your your opinion, I guess. But like when diseases and these things are kind of not just created or pushed, they tend to be kind of like uh, pushed at an extremely specific group because they know that that'll be the funnel effect to like all the other things. Yeah. Who do you think they would give the diseases to first? Whoever's sitting on the fucking oil, man. See, I think, I think the homeless would be the first uh, to get these diseases. Yeah. And it almost activate them to spread it in major metropolitan areas. Sure. Because I already think, I read this article the other day about there was 9,000 attacks um, by mentally unstable and or intoxicated homeless uh, on civilians last year. 9,000. Yeah. And they said it's up, it's up, up 30 times. Are you story. talking about the hot bucket of diarrhea story? Hot bucket of diarrhea. I saw that. Yeah, the that's what it was. The worst thing that yeah. like just... A woman got hot, a hot bucket of diarrhea dumped on her head yeah. by a homeless guy downtown. Now, so I love Reddit, and I was reading the yeah. Reddit thread of the comments, because <laughs> yeah. some of the comments are so funny, but some of them are really smart. Yeah. And somebody was like, if it was hot diarrhea, there's a chance that he heated it on a fire. <laughs> and yeah, because it couldn't have come out and stayed warm for that long. Well, someone was like, no, you know, he probably was like storing it up in a bucket. I think it sat in the sun for and, a long time. Yeah, and then the response to it was, if someone's crazy enough to save their diarrhea up in a bucket, 
all bets are off. <laughs> Meaning, why not? Yeah. Why wouldn't you heat your diarrhea up? Yeah. With like a little Coleman stove and a wooden spoon that you're right next sitting... to his soup. There's, there's his, his actual dinner is there, and then his shit party is there. Yeah. Right yeah. next to the soup that's like getting processed through his body to make his fucking horrific bio weapons and it ends. But I gotta tell you, man. To me, that's I feel like that would be my luck. Is I'd be the guy in the tent next to the guy who's slowly heating his fucking diarrhea yeah. and just smelling the the waft uh, of like, the cooking bubbling di- when it just starts bubbling that first <laughs> moment when your diarrhea just starts bubbling cuz who eats yeah. cuz in human history like outside of like nuclear i guess when like hiroshima happened there was probably places where diarrhea naturally started boiling or something like and there's I, a disaster I, ima- I imagine or in or in in pits, there there must have been when there was diarrhea pits. shit pits. Yeah, people had shit pits for a long time. You know what I mean? People had shit pits. But prior to bathrooms, people just had shit pits. Right. You dug a hole, and I'm sure shit pits that got filled up by certain. I mean, that's a problem in India. I was watching the dung. You know the dung party. Do you know what that is? No. Like once a year for good luck. There's a uh, there's a town maybe in India that they go they, they rummage through animal dung and they throw it at each other and it's like for fun. Uh, it's because of the overwhelming amount of shit in the town, but they think it's good luck because it's it's animal poop and it's going to bless them into the new year, I right. guess. Yeah. Cow shit. Why don't we do that? Why don't we just have a cow shit party? Well, there's no cows around here. I know. We got to go up north a little bit. You would have to go up north. You'd have to like buy. I, I think probably we could do it. Well, let's have a shit party. I think we should throw a shit party. There's fun. Like, that's funny because it's just like somebody has fond memories of like throwing when they were a kid. <laughs> like, throwing, throwing shit at their friends. And their parents. <laughs> they, for the, for the, you get to have a little bit of sweet revenge at throwing shit at your parents because it's joyful. It's a celebration. Can you imagine? That's like having a punch party. You know what I mean? To your abusive parent, just being able to punch them for one just, day. Yeah, watching that streak of fucking cow shit smatter in their face. They have to act like they like those kinds of things. They're kind of wonderful. It's kind of wonderful. Kind of wonderful, but you know, those traditions start with a charismatic, crazy person. Like those yeah. things. I, I would imagine it's like a person who's got some charisma or has like an entourage or people that are afraid of him. And he's it's like, let's throw shit at each other. <laughs> and they're too weak to be like, no, I don't want to do that. They're too weak because they, they want have to, to go like, along with it. Yeah, like, okay, sure. It's so, like if, if a famous guy did that. Like that's that's it, it's that's yeah. the level of popularity. That's what power and fame can do. Yeah. Like if a local famous guy was like, we should throw shit on each other. Everyone's kind of like, I don't know, but the famous guy is like, do it. You should do it. You want to be like a part of this thing that I'm doing. Yeah. Do it. And people are like, I guess I really do like him. The one deep kiss ass dude. Yeah. Will be like. Fuck yeah, that would be awesome, man. Oh, <laughs> right. uh, yes, can I throw your shit? If you poop in my hands, I can throw your shit at some of the commoners. That would be awesome, man. That would be awesome. And man. then the guy who's like jealous, but will like, you're like, oh, fuck, man. I guess that yes man wants to throw shit, so I'll do it I too. Guess. And you but, resist for a long time. Yeah. But then you realize it's the smart move. It's the smart move. Everyone's doing it. Trauma bonding. That's what that's trauma, called. That's trauma. You ever heard that? Yeah. Trauma bonding? Yeah, trauma bonding is a big thing. I mean, that's how people kind of get rid of shit from their past, pun intended, when you get to execute it out with other people who have something similar. Yeah. We've lived through the same pain. Yes. And then, yeah. 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 It's why, like, soldiers are always like, that's why, like, the VFW is, like, this beautiful place for soldiers to 
reminisce about the hard times. We love like we love getting together to group about how hard it was for us together. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, if you ever work in a restaurant, one of one of people's favorite things to do in the service industry is complain about working in the service industry. Oh, yeah. It's probably the pinnacle of the service industry is being like right. bitching about customers, about what it's like to work certain hours. Did you wait tables? I did, dude. I bartended, I bust, I hosted. Cool. I, I served, I did everything. I did literally everything except for make food. I washed dishes, I did it all. I, I washed dishes, I bust... I waited tables at Applebee's, busboy at Chili's. My big move was Applebee's. Washed dishes at Chili's. I was the only... I'm only pausing because I'm like, well, I guess maybe I am disabled a little bit. But, like, I was the only, like, not disabled dishwasher. All the other dishwashers were, like... Yeah, they were, like, trying to, like, give people work who... So so mentally disabled or physically disabled? Both. Mentally disabled. So you were the only... Uh, by by science terms, non mentally disabled. Yeah, 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 and I loved. I was like, of all that and comedy have been my favorite jobs on earth. Dish washing dishes. Oh fuck, that's why the, was it so? Why was it so nice? There's a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is we. I think a lot of people don't understand that you can get really good at washing dishes. Yeah, so you can get really fast, and then and anything that allows for that ability to like uh, get get really really good is somehow quite satisfying. It also. Is. Weirdly, having your hands in water all day is, like, quite nice. Like, spraying water and stuff is cool. But then also, the expectations of the dishwasher are zero. Right. No one has any any expectation but that you're going to fuck up probably or that you're just, like, you're not going to – you're the dishwasher. You're just washing dishes. There's nothing else that's really expected of you. Right. Well, all the servers – or like losing their shit over <laughs> fucking up an order, or the chefs are like, you know, right. like wanting to kill somebody because they ordered a steak that they made, but then it wasn't a steak, so they have to throw it away. Yeah. And there's some metric that gets the chefs in trouble or some shit. Right. And all this like intense drama. You're just over there just washing fucking dishes, humming Led Zeppelin to yourself, <laughs> not thinking about anything. And also it's like, what do you got? Pride? Yeah. Over your job? Hell no. Hell no. You are not a slave to the sad pride that many of us are encumbered by when it comes to our particular profession. Right. You might be proud because you're doing a good job, yeah. but that's not going to be the first thing you tell somebody that you are maybe trying to like uh, hook up with. You're not going to be like, well, you know, I'm a dishwasher. No, you just that, say I work at the restaurant. Yeah. Or what you do you just, do? Or, I do a bunch of different stuff. Like, I love acid. I like going yeah. on hikes and I that's love acid. And then they're like, what do you do? Is a job. Oh, I wash dishes. I, I guess. do. I do some shit at the restaurant, <laughs> yeah, like, but I mostly do acid and hike. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's the exchange. Yeah, I did. I did a busboy, which was great because I, I would just get high and put on headphones, and nobody bothered me. Yeah. Another job where it's like, don't yell at me because you don't want to do this job. It's great to work a job when no one can yell at you, really, because if you quit, it's harder to find someone that's willing to do that kind of at a at a common pace, like. A yeah. lot of times you find someone that do, does these laborious jobs and they do it for a short period of time. They basically half-ass it. So if you're just kind of doing it the way you're supposed to be doing it, you can kind of meander through it and it's fine. And and it's, what are you going to, you're going to yell at me? Fire me. Yeah. I fucking, I fucking clean up shit. Fire me. Fire me. Fi- just go get another guy then. Yeah. So to them, it's like, it's more of a hassle to find another guy that is cool with cleaning up shit than just dealing with your right. either incompetence or lack of care. That's right. It's kind of wonderful. Like, it's, busing was really fun because I would just get to, you know, clean up shit, get stoned, and then sometimes flirt with some of the servers. Like, that was always fun. For some sure. reason, it was attractive to be a busboy. 
because I was. You're attractive. Yeah, You're but like I like mean, the cute bus boy. But it was something about it that was like um, my carelessness was attractive to the servers. Right. My my talking shit. Like I would fuck around with tables just because I could. Yeah. And then when I became a server, the the strain was immense. I ha- I fucking there you hated go. it. I hated it. That's it. It sucked. You had the the the, the dealing with people the. The taking someone's attitude. I also worked at a place for I was a, I was at Outback Steakhouse, and then after that I worked at like a a bar, and they had dollar wing nights, and people would come in and order two wings, two like oh, give yeah, me two yeah, wings, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, wh- what kind of tip would I get from this? Why would I want to work where people are going to get a four dollar bill? Well, you do bear witness to this, like the, to the quote. Clever consumer. Yeah, the, right, right. Which is ironic because typically they're not the smartest people on earth. But they think they're coming in there like they feel like they have like truly cracked the yeah, system. Yeah, they cracked the system. It's like the people who bring like secret like compartments in their jacket to buffets <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, like to fill them up, mashed <laughs> potatoes into the compartments yeah. to like get food out that they, to, it's that kind of thing where it's like right. their sights have been set on. A weird form of like, not it's not theft, but it's no. like they're they're in there to like, okay, so I just want to make sure this is all you can eat, right? <laughs> all you can eat breadsticks. I'm gonna order a million breadsticks, well, and then but that you that, want all of them? Yeah, yeah that's all of them. Fucking weird thing where they're these corporations, they've created these fake ass places that are modeled after a place that once really existed. Right. Like Applebee's was, it's like, this is like the neighborhood place. It's like Cheers. This is where you come. (laughs) Talk to the bartender. Even like the, you want to see a creepy fucking place, man. God, it's the Wendy's in Panorama City. Panorama City, the Wendy's in Panorama City. The Panorama City Wendy's is one of the most surreal places. You end up there because you're probably going to buy furniture because there's like a furniture store by there. Carpet. There's carpet up, big carpet, carpet. stores up there. Yeah. yeah. So you're already probably arguing with your wife, maybe. Hundred percent. You're starving. A fight is happening. A fight is is about is gonna. So, so which means that like that Wendy's in Panorama City is sort of like a fight <laughs> vortex. <laughs> it is where couples are struggling with something already. Something dumb. And this Wendy's is kind of just just so happens to be the thing that catches all the shit. It's just a place in the middle of the stores, but it's also in the middle of like one like one of those parking lots that should be in like a Philip like what's that documentary Philip Glass did the music for that I can never pronounce the name like Colt Cowan Squats yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, I can't remember the I know how to say it. Yeah. Where it's like, look what has happened in modern times. It's like one of those like, you know, this it just goes on. And so my wife and I are sitting there, I think post-fight, but we've made up. We're sitting there. We decide, fuck it. We'll just order some food. But you go into this Wendy's, and for whatever reason, that Wendy's is really trying to seem like a down-home nice place. So what they've done is in the middle of the Wendy's, there's a fake fire with like something rolling inside of it. Like a, like an image of a fake fire or an act, like a like it's a a mechanical like a log. machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they need to oil it. They haven't oiled the log so it's literally going <laughs> like like just just this awful sound as the log is rolling in there and then 
we're eating the burger. We both got sick for like two days from the burger, which we shouldn't have eaten. But then we're like looking out in the parking lot. And that's when you see like the guy who is like beyond homeless. Like he's in a loin. He's given up all right. Any, homeless is the is a step above where he's at. Yeah, this he's is at a squalor. He's at he well or or he's in light. Maybe he's like an enlightened being or sure. some being that's like transcended society altogether or is just someone dedicated to just really really being like uh, free maybe what free free totally free but cut like cut like cut like if he was like in a set department if there was a set department they would be like you got to take some of the grease off of him because no one's gonna believe that he's like but so as you're eating this weird burger listening to the squeak in this fucking place where they really have someone's like let's just make this seem like a ski lot in the middle of a parking lot. Right. And then you look up and there's the guy gesticulating weird like hand mudras or gestures that appear to be some kind of sorcery staring up at the sun. And you're like, what dimension are we in? Yeah. Are we still even in Earth? It's the kind of place where if you saw like the shimmering hologram of a predator or something right. go zipping by you might not be that surprised you might be like oh oh yeah if i keep going deeper into panorama city at some point i bet it's not a parking lot anymore i bet it turns into like just a crater or something you know with right. it leads to <laughs> another an- another portal yeah. why is it that these places these outskirt places are tend to be the the portal to another world. Why is it that typically they don't happen in major metropolitan areas? Do you think there's a connection between that? Because like the mm-hmm. the more I watch uh, ghost shows or apparition yeah, yeah. Uh, finding, or even like um, places that have a lot of energy, whether it better be negative or positive, like overwhelming, it's always like outskirts. It's always outskirts. Like why? Why do you think? Why? Why in the center of a metropolitan area t- it, does it not? tend to have that thing you know like the 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 apparition worth of a place tends to be how far it is away from the center of things i wonder why well it's like this is what one of the you know i don't think we're gonna have it in our lifetimes and we're probably never gonna have it but it's one of those dreams i have is is like a rewinding device so that i could you know you always think like and i know man i have no idea how this works but like we were saying earlier, this momentum, it carries on. Yeah. So then that means that theoretically, if light has been bouncing off the earth and is going into space, yeah. then and we had a way to travel faster than the speed of light, does that mean that we could then beat the light that emanated from the earth in like the 70s or the 60s or 50s? and look at what the Earth looked like then? Like, theoretically, can we have some kind of time telescope and look back? But Because in, in a place like Panorama City, in that parking lot, I would like to rewind. I would like to rewind right. and see what it was like in, in the 70s and then what it was like in the 1870s and what it was like in, like, 70 B.C. Because my theory is it always sucked. Like, it was always just shit. It was never a good place. It was like, you can keep going back. It sucked from its inception. Yeah. Which And suck, by the way, transcends time yeah. to a degree that we couldn't explain. Things that suck tend to always suck. Yeah. Why? It just can't get over the suck. It's just... Like, it was a sucky shit place 
for beings prior to, right? Right, like like organisms like, hated it. Or yeah, just even though <laughs> even like the the like whatever the fuck it was, even the pre pre-life materials didn't look right compared to other they didn't want to live there yeah they they were almost escaping panorama city yeah to try to get closer to any other area anywhere else yeah i wonder about that (laughs) (laughs) suck makes its way through time very well for some reason right it's it's hard to change or was is it like maybe at some point someone did some horrible thing like we don't know there could have been Uh, some ritual uh some warlock just was right. like something cursed that area. Yeah, whatever it was, ruined the energy of the area, and now it exists forever like that. And sometimes I do like when I'm like so, when I you know I let my mind go where it wants to most of the time, which I love about you. I, thank you, but I don't believe this stuff. But it's fun to think about. But sometimes I think, wait, maybe just one very very evil person lives nearby, and we're experiencing. The, the hell radiation coming from their heart right. and it's just like cursing like maybe there was a time when people were like oh you've got a you've got a, a darkling around here just find him and like cut his head off and it's the place easy. will be cleansed right you know but we don't we don't know that now so it's just like oh this something's off here you know there's lots of places like that though where there's like tendencies for things to happen you know, there's places where there's right. more of a chance that a thing will happen for better or for worse. Not just metaphysically, but literally, like, there's places where there's types of weather that show up. So why wouldn't that be true for, like, metaphysical stuff, too? Right. Wet, dark weather patterns, you know? Well, well like, I've tried to explain to many a people that... Uh, uh, yesterday, my wife said something. She goes, uh, your strongest emotion is nostalgia. Mm. And I was like, really? And she's like, by far. That's not even cool. cl- Nothing is even close. She goes, even like the love you have for me is not even close to nostalgia. I was like, how could that be true? She's like, because the way it connects to you is so unexplainably unique. The way you act is very strange. And I was like, wow, because I can't see the way I act in regards to that stuff. But I do know what she's talking about. Like, I do know that places from my past make me feel a type of way that I can't fucking, I cannot articulate. I wish I could. It's, It's almost gross. It's almost over, overwhelming. When I go to when I think right now about going to Phoenix, it like, it, is that my phone? I don't know. That's the most unprofessional fucking. What? Shit no one on cares. Me. No, you know what? This is the kind of shit that really pisses me off. This is the kind of shit that pisses me off. Baby. Like real pissed well, off? No, not even a little bit. No. <laughs> but how weird is this? My ringer is off, but it's ringing. I think you should answer. Can I have more whiskey? Yeah, I'm gonna get some more whiskey for us. But isn't that fucking weird that my phone is off but it's ringing? Why is that? Is this because I need a new phone? Who knows? Maybe it's an Amber Alert. Who's Amber? She's. Like we'll be right back of... after these messages. <laughs> let me go get. Let me go get a little. Well, pour some of, here. Can I? You want? You pour it. Go ahead. Thank you. But I'm gonna. I'm, I should, if I pour, not even a little bit. Thank you. You're a guest in my home. This whiskey is good. It's delicious, right? Yeah. Should I go fill up some more? Yes. In the meantime, you need I to. You, here. you did. That's yeah. good. You need to tell. Uh, I'm gonna go get a little bit more from the other room. You need to. Um, you need to take this question and run with it. So while I leave the room, you can go. Okay. Thank okay. You. Um, <laughs> if you could come back as a quote unquote typical ghost or like an, uh, you know, this like ethereal being. Yeah. Where in the United States would it be? Can't Holy be the world. Shit. Where in the United States would it be? You want, you want me to think about it until you get back? I want you to talk about it till I get back. Okay. Start to explain to the people your process. Okay, great. So... All right, we're going to have to deal with a few things. Like the first consideration is what kind of ghost am I going to be? That seems almost more important than where you're going to be. 
You know, are you going to be a poltergeist? Are you going to be a lich? I'm probably going to want to be a lich over a poltergeist, I think. Poltergeists are just annoying. Throw shit, drag little girls into closets for no reason. A lich. I'm going to be a lich. Yeah. I think I'm going to be like a Hawaiian lich. A Hawaiian lich. Yeah. yeah. You want to be a Hawaiian lich? Yeah, Hawaiian lich. I like lich. that. Like, Where in Hawaii? Which island, though? I'm going to do probably Hana. Hana. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I like a nice lava tube. Right. That's got a ocean view that ends in the ocean. Right. It's going to have definitely like dark parts. It's going to have skylights from natural openings in the lava tube. Yes. But for some reason, people aren't going to go in there that much for some reason. And also maybe like a badass mid-century modern house from the 60s collapsed into some part of the lava, lava oh, wow. tube. So I've got a nice... You've like, got some of that remnants left. Brady Bunch style house I can oh, go wow. into if I want to. And yeah, so a Hawaiian lich. A Hawaiian and a lich. nice spacious lava tube that's if, ocean if, front views. If I could haunt, if I could be a being after this and, and get to haunt anywhere... It would be Orlando, Florida. Whoa. Yeah, Orlando. Because I, I like almost nothing about it. So I feel like they deserve all my haunting. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot. But you know what? I'm ready for the work in the afterlife. Okay, but you're thinking. I'm ready for all the work. You're I'm a ready vengeance to ghost. Yeah, I'm a vengeance ghost. Why? Because I just feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to help pass the time until whatever comes next. You're an immortal being. Yeah. Do you know how bored you're going to get of scaring people? You Not scaring people fucking with them okay <laughs> okay i'm gonna like, do fun stuff like what uh i'm gonna you know it's always gonna be families that are visiting disney world by the way that's my whole aim it's like right. families that come in from other places so i really get a collection of the entire united states sure but do fun stuff like um tuck a guy's wiener in his butt so when he wakes up his wiener's in his butt and i'll never cool. be able to explain that to almost anybody that's cool do you know what i mean no but we'll never explain that to almost anybody switching a car tire out from one car to another how okay i have ultimate ability i've thought about this i can do almost anything listen man i'm not trying to shit on your don't plans, shit on my plans like i want to talk about getting that wiener in the butt okay sure that's my it's, i've thought about this a lot so yeah first of all a lot of people sleep on their side so technically not to get ghost nerdy on you you're yeah. or, you're a poltergeist yeah because you have the ability you're not a wraith you're not a no phantom. i'm a, a poltergeist you're a yeah. poltergeist yeah so you're gonna have to like Figure out a way to do this without the guy waking up. You're not, assuming you can. A just, lot of people sleep through a lot, especially someone that's not drunk or on drugs. Okay, so it's like people who are doped up at Disneyland. Yeah, like some fat dad who doesn't give a shit about his kid. That's also like, I'm just doing this to keep this marriage together. It's falling apart. He hates Mary, his wife. He cannot stand her, so he blacks out. He goes home, back to the hotel. He he just falls his fat body onto the bed. Okay. Then he lays with one leg, you know, half over the sideways, so his cock is kind of between his legs. Okay. All I simply need to do is grab and tuck. It's grab and tuck. No, you're going to need adhesive. I don't. I don't know. The adhesive it comes from probably the sweat from his ass, from the swass. You don't think the swass is going to keep it in there? Fuck no. There's no way. So that... I need to purchase some. I need to have something that's going to keep it in there. What if he's just well endowed? I, I if think it's big if enough he's penis, well endowed, yeah. If he's well endowed, it changes everything. Well, then I'm looking for guys with big dicks that are passed out on. Yeah, booze. but how much is that? How often are you going to get that? I, I guess feel like that's, that's more special... common than you think. Yeah, that's that. I, it's more common than you think. I've seen a lot of fat, drunk losers at Disney World with big dicks. 
Well, I can't. I, that's hard. See that part? You're right. That part, that's hard. I don't know about that. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You get adhesive. You have access to every dick. I just feel like I, I don't need to use items, though. I don't want to use items. You know what I mean? I want to do it because adhesive, you know he's going to be like, like, he's going to go, somebody super glued my dick. Was it one of my kids? Somebody did it. That's fucking, that's great. It's going to fuck with it. That's truly fuck. Okay, okay. Otherwise, right. you're just going to be like, oh, my dick got in my ass again. A again? Yeah, this guy's dick. Probably... Do I follow one guy for the rest of his life and just keep talking his dick in his ass? <laughs> yes. You're gonna have to. Haunt That's this a haunting. Guy's That's dick. a haunting. I would love. This guy goes on on Doctor Phil. He can't explain why his dick keeps getting put in his ass every day. They try to do like one of those six sincere sixty minutes yeah. things, which I love. Which is like <clears throat> when like sixty minutes or any of these shows takes a person. It's it's like. What was great about the freak shows, and I think maybe liberating for some of the performers, mm -hmm. is that you were just like, yeah, people, this is like a freak, and the people are here to see this insane thing. Yeah. And there was like a community of freaks. I think that's kind of what the comedy store is, because we is. are all kind of freaks. Yep. And like, we know it, and so like, there's something wonderful about that. But these days, like, you take this man who is being haunted by this fucking crazy ghost, who could be doing any, you could be going to Paris. You could be like going to the great places of the world as a ghost. You're an immortal being. Yeah. You could be helping people. You could be, but instead you you found one man and mm -hmm. you're just tucking his dick in his <laughs> asshole for his whole fucking life. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? There's something amazing about that. <laughs> so, but you know, what I love is like you take that guy, I could see the interview with his wife. Yeah. And like no one is watching that show, nobody, because they feel sorry because he's. This is they're watching because like holy shit! Hey, come in here! Look at this crazy motherfucker! <laughs> his like dick goes in his ass every night, and they don't know how to stop it. It's like ruining his marriage. It's fucking up his colon. They don't know what to do. He's getting like infections in his dick. <laughs> but they filmed it. It's coming up after the commercial. They put cameras on his ass and dick at night, and look! Oh my god! It looks like something's actually. Grabbing it and pushing it in his ass. <laughs> but they would play it all sincere. Yeah. And the interviewer would have to be like, wow, this is like, we don't know what it is. Science it's, can't explain it. They've taken him to like Caltech or whatever. To yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. It's a movie. They can't wrap their head around why this guy keeps getting his wiener in his butt. It's, yeah. And at some point, he accepts it. In the latter half of his life, he just accepts this is a part of who he really is. Yeah. So you know what he does? What? Before he goes to bed. He puts his own dick in his own ass, <laughs> and he beats me to the punch, and that's it. No, it's not. Then he's learned his lesson. Then I. Then he's finally gone. Then that's it. Then he goes. I'm gonna beat you. To, I'm gonna put my own dick in my own ass, and that's all I wanted to show him. Oh, I see. That's it. He's learned. Wow, that's, all that's this, beautiful. That's all this is about. You taught him so much. That's like a huge breakthrough. It's like a breakthrough moment for him. It's a. This is like a, a teenage hijinks film. Wow. Where all I really wanted to do was show a guy that he could put his own dick in his own ass. Man, that's beautiful. That's yeah. actually really. For a second, I'm like, wow. You, it seems like, but now I get now it. Now you man. get it. Yeah. I love it. That's like an it, honestly, it's like a holiday Hallmark. Film. That's like a Lifetime movie. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's a guy from the the little town goes to the big city for the big. You know what I mean? Like, or is it big city goes to little town? This is the reverse. This is little town goes to the big city of Orlando. Orlando's big. Oh, okay. Big and fancy. Oh, I got it. Roller yeah. coasters, buses. But you he know? like cuts in line or something. You got to do like something. Why is he an asshole? Yeah. You know what he's done? He's he's print, printed fake tickets. 
fake Disney 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 World tickets and he sells them to families. This guy's a scumbag. He's a piece of shit. He deserves literally all this. He's he has printed off fake tickets yeah. and he sells them to families. So I think if we're gonna do the backstory of this, what happens is you mm-hmm. are alive. Yeah. And you buy one of these fake tickets. Right. And then you go to you spent like the last bit of your money eight hundred dollars with my wife and my two kids to go in yeah. to Disney Disney World. They're so happy. And you just got out of prison. Yeah, just recently. And this money, you were working for like 30 years in a prison factory. 20, 26 to, years, yeah. 26 years to save up the Andrew Bucks. You kept telling your wife that at the end of this, your, your wife and your tw- now 26-year-old kid, you're like, I'm using this money. I'm going to take us to Disney to World. Disney it's, World. It's always been my dream. Yeah. And so you're out there. This guy comes up. He's like, hey, this don't, is Don't better. pay full price. Yeah. What That's are you for doing? suckers, dude. I can't make it, man. My, my wife's sick. Let me just sell you mine because you know we're not going to yeah. use them, and they rip you off there. I don't. I won't rip you That's off. That's it. This will be half the cost. So you bring the ticket, and then they don't let you in, and whatever that shit that happened to you in prison activates. Hold on. Here's what happens. They don't let me in, and they scan. It's a fake ticket. Yeah. And then they arrest me because they're like, you can't. You, you're someone's producing these fake tickets. We're going to investigate. <laughs> so I get arrested. Yeah. In that regard, I go back to prison. I violated my parole. For trying to use false tickets, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm back in prison yeah. and I die in prison. Yeah. I get Epstein in prison. I get yeah. killed. Yeah. They frame it as a suicide. They Epstein me. And as my ghost, I begin to follow that man. So this guy, yeah, well, then it gets really great because I mean, this now we're getting into more like an action movie, but you. It's kind of an action film. It's a, it's a cabal of like fake, of counterfeit Orlando ticket people. Yeah. So now it's a revenge flick. Where you're shoving all their dicks in their ass. Everybody, like, everyone that screwed me over. Yeah, that's everyone, what, you want to fuck him over? Now he's gonna fuck you. Yeah, he's <laughs> gonna tug your dick in your ass. In here, we pour whiskey. Whiskey. This episode of Whiskey Ginger is also brought to you by Buffalo Trace. Buff Trace is the only bourbon with balls. I've been pushing this stuff for a long time on this show, and I also love when fans send in pictures of drinking some of the sweet sauce, because you know I love it. Uh, on this very episode, we were having some Blanton's and some Eagle Rare, some of their top-tier stuff, which I love. They've been pushing out the good sauce since 1773. It's fiercely and independently owned out of Franklin County, Kentucky. Their Buffalo Trace is made in-house. It is stored in their barrels. They don't do it anywhere else but here in the U.S. of A. We love this stuff, man. It's nice and strong. It's got a great kick to it. And also... It challenges all these other big corporations because they do it on their own without somebody wrangling them down, telling them what they need to do. Go grab yourself a bottle of Buffalo Trace while you enjoy this beautiful, wonderful episode. Sip it, tag us, post us, let us know that you're enjoying it as well. I'm a traveling man, made a lot of stops all over the world. I don't know if I can sing that because I might get sued, but I am a traveling man. If uh, you're like me and you're always on the road, always on the move, you need to get yourself an Away suitcase. Away is awesome, dude. I see so many people using this now. Um, Away is more than just a suitcase. It is a lightweight, durable shell that's made to last a lifetime of travel. Um, it has a 100-day trial. lets you just give it a whirl. Um, it comes with, in certain forms, a charger, uh, which is perfect to plug your phone in because we're always losing power on the go. 360-degree spinner wheels. You can wheel it all over the place if you want to get fancy and dance in the airport. These are incredible, man. I, I really am such a big uh, proponent of pushing stuff that I also use, and I use away. You can see me at any airport. 
um, using it because I think uh, I'm always trying to find the most convenient, durable, and accessible thing to get from city to city to city. You need to experience it yourself. You can try it for free if you'd like. It's durable and hard. It's got two separate sections that zip, keep everything separated, neat, and organized. And if you're interested in doing this, you should be because uh, it's for the youth. Got a nice travel travel charger in there for your iPhone or whatever Android you're using. Go to awaytravel.com slash whiskey. Um, put in that promo code whiskey, baby, during the checkout. You're going to get yourself $20 off a suitcase by once again going to awaytravel.com slash whiskey. Throw in the promo code whiskey and let them know what's up. A lot of you might be listening to this podcast right now in something comfy. If you like comfy lounge around clothes, something durable and delicious, Mack Weldon is the company. They're the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants that you'll ever wear. I promise you. When I talked on the Rogan podcast about getting food poisoning, I was wearing Mack Weldon clothes that I threw up in. That's a real fact. And they were great. They helped me through a very tough time. I'm not going to lie. And I washed them and the puke came right out, by the way. Um, But they don't don't only just do underwear. uh, They do socks and shirts, sweatpants. They do all sorts of stuff. Now, people just know them as an underwear company. They're more than that, okay? Mack Weldon does make some phenomenal stuff, um, including underwear, but not just exclusive to. I enjoyed it. I really do like uh, their sweats and their throwover workout shirts. Their athletic shirts are daily wear as well. Um, it's my kind of stuff when I'm traveling, especially because I like to just throw something on, have it be loose and comfortable and also warm, um, you know, because it's, it's really difficult when you're on the move trying to do 50,000 different things. You just want to feel comfy. I highly recommend Mack Weldon. They are super dope. Um, and go ahead uh, and go to MacWeldon.com. Enter the promo code whiskey. You're going to get 20% off your first order if you go there and do that. Holler at them. If you like it when you wear it, Tag me. Let them know the Whiskey Ginger Podcast sent you over there. Show us some love. Go to MacWeldon.com. Type in the promo code Whiskey. Get 20% off. Yo first. Order. Ginger. I like gingers. But this is a weird parallel thought, but I, uh, we fly so much as comics. Do you ever think when turbulence hits the plane that that's literally like forces doing that just to like check you a little bit? Whoa. No. For some reason, I feel like I'm like, why? That's got to be like... That's that. There's this weird. I know it's not, but every time I'm like, why does turbulence happen in very specific chunks? And they almost happen the way you exactly how you think they're going to happen, right? Like when you feel a, f- a few small ones, and then you know there's going to be one big one, and then a few more small yeah, ones right. after that. It's almost like the pattern is planned. It's very creepy. The worst turbulence I ever experienced, yeah, on a plane was when fucking Rogan took me to. The UK to do a show with him because the UFC was in the UK. Right. The UFC flew him first class on Air France. Air I've France. never experienced that. Is it one of those like you can lay down and all that shit? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. And it was like, you know, you're. It's like you you get they drive you to the plane. Yeah, there's that's a wild. secret lounge where yeah. like Robin Williams walked in for a second and like. For a second, you Before just... Before he killed himself or after? This is after, dude. We're talking ghosts, right? Got it, yeah, yeah. He yeah. walked in and took both of our dicks in our asses, <laughs> weirdly. I didn't mention it in the beginning. He was like, oh, ah, ah, I gotta, oh, ah, ah. He did a little Mark and Mindy shit. <laughs> but you're not gonna say no, it's Robin Williams' ghost. Yeah, why would you say no? But this, so we hit, we're over the ocean, and I have taken some crazy edible, 
and so I am as high as you can be. Yeah. Do you on- like that on planes? No. Hate it. It was a huge mistake. I do not get high on planes anymore. But it seemed in the most like, ah, oh, it's a comfortable seat. They give you slippers. Nope. You're looking around. You're like, for a second, you are witnessing, you know, something like the Illuminati. It's like people, you know, because I'm like, when I've got a bag of shit that comes with a seat. Yeah. I'm like, holy fuck, toothpaste? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. socks? Yeah, they blessed you. They yeah. Blessed, they blessed you with these items. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, pajamas. Yeah. But then you're looking. I'm like, holy, what the fuck is this? What life is? Then you look over and there's some guy who definitely looks like he could turn into a reptile. And he's just like, oh, yeah, time to put on my flight pajamas. You know, it's like (laughs) no big deal for him. That's what you do. You put on your flight pajamas. Very normal. That level of insane, crazy wealth. But, yeah, we hit this fucking, like, ocean turbulence. Hard. And somewhere in there, I'm high, and I'm like, maybe Joe is Satan, right? It kind of makes sense, you know? Like, he's lured me into, maybe he does this every, maybe this is one of the things he just does in hell, is he, like, like, takes you into this beautiful place, and then just the plane crashes, and you just... You, the, you know, crazy thoughts like, is it? Is, well, why did you think you deserve this? What right. in your mind did you really imagine this, this was? Made this is sense? what you got. Yeah, Air France first class with Rogan with your fucking plane pajamas and shit. You thought this was real? Come on, <laughs> God is gonna take you out <laughs> right now. You're yeah. like, it's a, a simulator is gonna annihilate you. You're out of your level, and then in like a thick fucking French accent. The, which I can't do. The do pi- it. Try it, though. Mothers. I can't do it. Mothers. 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 <laughs> mothers. Mother. I can't do it. Mothers. I, mothers. Mothers. Hold your infants. Mothers, hold your infants. That's what he said. He said mothers, it. Mothers, hold your infants. Yes. Hold your infants. Ding, ding. Weird bells. Ding, ding, ding. Mothers, hold. And you're like, oh, my God. This is not good. People are sleeping, and he's waking them up, telling mothers to hold, hold their, their infants. infants. I'm thinking about this fucking awful book that I saw. I didn't buy it, but it's like the transcripts from Black Boxes. Oh, fuck. Oh. Yuck, yuck, yikes, oh. yo. And by the way, the phrase, mothers hold your infants, sounds like it's one of those things that's on a black box before it goes. It is. I'm sure it mothers is. Mothers hold your infants? Yeah, mothers hold your infants so that you're holding them when you crash into the ocean. But then, oh. yeah, man. There's one in that book, one is very sad, which is the pilot just started singing lullabies. Over the PA system? Yep. Wow. As the plane was going down, he just started singing lullabies. What do you think your what do you think your instinct would be? If you were piloting a plane and it's literally going down and you know it's crashing, what's your instinct? You're a pilot, it's you. And the co pilot is crying, he has no idea what to do. He's lost. The plane's crashing? It's literally there's no chance of pulling out. This is it. I would say, guys, this is we're done here. Very casual. Guys, we're done here. Hey, this is uh, your pilot. <laughs> guys, we're done here. <laughs> hey gang. Hey fellas. Um we're done. We're done here. I would so I would be torn between being like, well, I would want to be honest with everyone because it's like you yeah. know they deserve to know they're all about to die. Yeah. Why don't they give us more honest approach when they say like oh, we're going to be experiencing a little bit of chop? Why can't they just go, hey, over Iowa, it's going to be shit. I'm going to be real with you. It's going to suck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get out of that by the time we hit Illinois, and yeah. after that, it's smooth sailing almost until we get to New York. We might hit some more fucked up shit. I wish they would just get on and talk about. It. I would love to be talked through. Wouldn't it be cool to be talked through turbulence? Like if they could just get on and be like, "Whoa, that sucked, right? Fuck that." Listen, we're going to keep this moving. 
Yeah, it'd be awesome. It'd yeah, be, it'd be also so cool. cool if there's a cha- like you could choose what channel you dialed into on the plane, which is oh. like you want hyper formality where we're like, oh, we're gonna hit some turbulence. Do you want like to you listen? Choose which version you yeah. want to hear. Yeah, that, that would be fucking wonderful. So the pilot is like, oh yeah, this fucking sucks. I've been this climate change probably. I don't know what it is, but it was never like this when I was a kid. I'll tell you that. And that being said, that means we don't know what's gonna happen. That's cool. That that's kind of what I would want to hear. Fucking golf ball size hail could easily just smash through the window right now just and ruin this whole thing. We're all dead. We plummet down and we're dead. No, it's gonna happen. P.S. You know how much I get paid? <laughs> Shit, baby. <laughs> I just want you to know that shit, shit money, baby. And I don't feel good. Just you know, I don't feel great. I don't want to be up here anyway. So I just want you to know, I'm not going to crash the plane. But I'm not going to. If it's going, it's going, kiddo. Yeah. If this, it, this is my time, then this is my time, and I'm at peace with that. A very realistic channel. Yeah. It's a very just realistic channel. Do you? What if there was a? Um, what if you could tune into one of those for your daily life? What if there was some sort of like headphones you could put in that was telling you what's going to go on in your daily life and give you the real breakdown that'd be great yeah like listen man this next thing is going to suck you just got to get through it it's not that big of a deal just get through it if it coached you through it well that is the that's what one of the things i fucking love about buddhism is that it one of the invitations in it is just stop trying to change for a second and so it's really interesting it's an interesting thing just be right yeah, yeah. It's right. it's basically like just the truth of suffering. So right. sort of uh, it's like and I, I you know, I'm not very good at doing it because I, I always want to feel better if I'm like Do you I, think anybody's really good at doing it? Yeah, I, happy people. Well see, but you say that, but don't we all don't we continually kind of have this comparison of others' happiness and in some regard we're all kind of hunting for a higher level of, of happiness and satisfaction? Don't you think most people are that way? Yes, that this so is So who is ultimately happy? Well, what's so paradoxical about the whole thing is is that the moment like when I, I guess the best way to put it is have you ever gotten in a huge fight with with yes. your wife or, yes. and but what and you wake up the next morning you haven't resolved the fight but when you wake up you forget that you got in the fight you know what I mean? Like some yeah. awful thing ha- happens. Yeah. yeah. You wake up in the morning. You don't remember the awful thing at all. You're just laying in bed. And in that millisecond before your like biocomputer boots up, you feel off, like wonderful. Like yeah. it's just like there's a sense of like, whoa, this is, this is great. Like you're alive. You're, you're yeah. just existing. It's before you even know where you're at. It's before you even know who you are. There's just this sense of like, ah, and then all of a sudden you remember and you're like, oh God, oh God, oh no, oh no, oh no, no. But right before that happens, ah, this is nice. Yeah, there's a moment of peace. That's what you are. That's what you are. So that's like the fundamental nature of you. And then a story appears that you're telling yourself. And in that story, there's there's all the suffering and pain. So the idea is like before all that kicks in, you're you're wonderful, and then the other stuff starts kicking in. So now we have anxiety or whatever. We oh, have yeah. fear, anger, whatever. But then what's really interesting is if like you you don't resist any of that for a second, and you just look at the anxiety, you look at the anger, you look at whatever it may be, feel it. You realize it's a perfect feeling. Yeah. Like the anxiety is perfect. Like the anger is perfect. The sadness is perfect. When you really look at how incredible it is that your body is just 
effortlessly manifesting perfect anxiety, this like resonant, real feeling. It would like, imagine if you had to make it yourself, like if you had to do it, you know, you had to, you had to make the anxiety. You couldn't, it's so perfect. No, yeah, you couldn't produce it. Stunning. And then if you look at like the thoughts that are then begin to surround the anxiety, the horror stories you're telling yourself, the vividness of it, it's like, holy fuck, I, I must be some kind of genius that my mind can just instantly shit out hyper-realistic prognostications for some kind of dark future with me exerting no effort at all, but with a kind of realism that if it was on a canvas, people would like think I was one of the great painters of all time. Right. And my mind just spitting it out, no problem at all. Right. So in all, when you really start looking at the individual pieces of the suffering, you realize each individual piece is perfect. It couldn't be more amazing. It's startlingly beautiful, even in its worst, like even the worst configurations. And so then within that, in Buddhism, the diagnosis is like, yeah, really the problem is just more that you're resisting the feeling than the feeling itself. It's you're trying, you know what I mean? That you're, you're trying to get out of it. Right. You want it to change. You're wanting to not be there anymore. We don't like sitting in it. That's it. Yeah. yeah, we just don't like sitting in it. Yeah, it's hard for us for some reason. Really, really hard because it's, to it's instinctual, it. right? That's instinct. That's got to be instinct based. That people are mm -hmm. uncomfortable with yes. with, with dis their own discomfort. They yeah, don't, they don't know how to live with their own. They don't know how to be dis uncomfortable, even though they've created it. Yes, that's my yeah. my. I I don't. I want to like. So if like something is malfunctioning, I want to fix it. Now, right now, within the next ten minutes, right now, now, I yeah. want to come up with an a plan, and then I want to change it right then, and right. Then, and so, I that's react you get reactive in that way because it's just hard to not just to sit in the pain, but just to sit in not insecurity and not right. knowing to not do anything is almost even harder. That's almost more challenging. That's why it's so hard to be at peace with oneself because you're like. I have to, I have to change it. I have to fix all this stuff. I feel that all the time. I feel an overwhelming sense of I have to do it right now. If I don't get it done right now, I'm going to have a fucking panic attack. Yeah. And she's the opposite. She's more like the old bag, my old ball and chain, the old anchor. You know what I mean? The old slag, the old slosh Shut bucket. <laughs> no, she's <laughs> more, she's more balanced in the idea that she's fine with it. That it's like, yeah, just, you know, we'll figure it out. I'm more, pa I'm pure panic. I'm more like, if I can't get this done, I'm so far away from being a Buddhist. It's, I wish I could learn more about how to calm. You know, I learned about SRF that I liked. Her dad's into that. What is that? Self realization fellowship. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. Paramahatsa Yogananda, sure. the original. Yeah. yeah, I read some of that. Probably the hardest, thickest read I've ever had in my entire life. Like well, just, just extremely arduous. Dense. It's just so thick. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like um, I'm reading this book right now. My neighbor gave me called uh, at, at Swim Two Birds. And it's impossible. I mean, it's so hard. What is the book? It's Swim Two Birds. It's it's, uh, it's this Irish, this very famous Irish uh, novelist, and he uh. essentially part of the crux of the story is about telling the tale of this young Irish man who lives with his um, alcoholic uh, uncle, trying to go back to university, and it's just this very deep, dark, rich, thick 
divulgent essay. You know what I mean? Cool. But it's but, but yeah, you have to really dig through it to find little wonderful pieces. You have to yeah. read. Th- I have to read things like five times. Yeah, I haven't had that in a long time. We have to reread, 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 reread. That's re-read. cool. Yeah, it's man. very. It's it's heavy. It's a lot. It's fun when you're high because at least when I'm high, I can read it slower. When I'm sober, I try to. Um, I'm trying to rip through it. I find that when I'm sober, I'm trying to read a book to try to get through it. It's odd. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm just trying to, like, do it. Because I'm like, I want to get it. I want to go. I want to go to the next page. Right. All the goddamn high school, elementary school conditioning, right. which is rewarding you go, for finishing Go, go, finish, books. go, finish, close it, go. Not yeah. even understanding or anything Or about really it. paying attention. Yeah. I'm kind of absorbing some of it. You know what I mean? It's almost like uh, when I'm sober and I read any anything, really, not just books, but, like, articles or things online that I'm, like, trying to, like, sift through. When I'm sober uh, or, you know, in complete, you know, without chemical space... It's almost like um, a 99 cent store paper towel. Like I'm getting a, a good amount of sure. it, but there's a lot left behind. God, I love reading stone, man. Yes, it's, it's so wonderful. So reading stone is like wiping up a, a a milk spill with a fucking beach towel. You know, it's like I'm gonna get all of it. <laughs> like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get all of it. There'll be nothing left behind. Yeah. I can, it's like so much more consumable for oh, some reason when I'm high. God, it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is, man. I'm a big I'm a big proponent of that. Some people like working out stone. We've talked about this, but like. I, I like small things high. I like writing or reading high. I cannot do physical activity high. Really? I just, it's not in my wheelhouse. I've talked about it before. It's just, I'm the, please, 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 please. That's why I brought it. This is Blanton's. Oh my this God. is good. This is some of the good sauce, this baby. This is the best, man. Are we having a good time? Yeah. Yeah, I can't do physical activity high, and I've talked about it before, but it's not, uh, it's not for me. I want to, I want to change to something else. You took, we've talked about this. You took somewhat of a small, break from stand-up or from comedy you said not a small break i took a huge break from stand-up well you but like on the scale of comedy maybe not right like well not on to the you it, or to the community feels big to me it felt big right it'd be nice if it felt big to the community my assessment of most comedians would be like well maybe they notice but i don't know if anybody well, was i think staying up i think comics I, do i think comics know that's sweet but i also think people assume when you take a break from comedy yeah it's for your own well-being yes right you're so like i i almost always find the one thing that's so, i mean the comedy community is incredible people know fans have kind of the people that are listening that kind of listen to a lot of comics they kind of understand that like um it's a tough fucking game that's right so it's so when someone goes away for a little while the first assumption is they probably need to go away yep. for their own it's not like what the fuck man Fuck that. Back in the... Yeah, bitch. No, it's yeah. never that. It's more like they fans assume you just need that time. Like yeah. he or she needs the time. Whatever right. the reasoning, family, personal. I think it's so nice to be disconnected to fans in this generation because now they understand. Uh, I think 20 years ago, that wasn't as clear that it was just like, yeah. what the fuck, bro? I mean, even what, 10, 15 years ago when Chappelle went away, he, he they called him a crackhead. That's right. Like, can you believe that? Like he needed he needed a little bit of self preservation, and they called him a crackhead. That's right. They said he was smoking crack. Yeah. I mean, first of all, pretty on the nose racist. <laughs> like oh the, yeah, right. the behind the like, scenes of that was just so. Why wouldn't it be so some dis- other drug? Right. Why, why wouldn't crack? Painkillers. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Why? Or, or just or, we, or weed or booze. The yeah. things he actually really does love. Yeah. He loves alcohol and he likes smoking weed. Yeah. So why crack? Why did you jump to crack? Because I, like that bothered me, but. I never made that connection. It bothered yeah, the shit out of me. Fucking right. That's yeah, when so I heard, I, like, I remember, I can hear, like, my, I can hear some, I can hear some, like, fucking dipshit being like, well, it's because he's probably a fucking crackhead. Like, you, I can just hear idiots saying that and it getting resonated in, like, 
uninformed ways that you're like, yeah. no, this is that's just. Do you not know that that's phony rhetoric that got pushed out that you just bought into? Like, fuck. I did no one check in to find out if that was real. It's like how fucked up to just be like, he's a crackhead. Like anyway, when he left and and took a, a trip to Africa, by the way, just because he wanted to. You know, they were like, why Africa? You're like, why the fuck not? That's right. I, 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 that's such an annoying thing. Why would they go there? Why wouldn't they, dude? They have the ability to do so. What a, what, an, what a great advantage. Anyway, that's only 15 years ago. And they called him a crazy person. Yeah. So when you went away, you took some time off. You, you, you took what you say is a big time. What was your, what was the honest moment that you realized you wanted to take some time off and go away? And why? Oh, that's a great question. It was it, so. I started realizing it when I was in New York, and I realized that I was not. I like some of those fucking New York comics mm-hmm. are such hard workers. They are. They're they're prolific. They're focused. They love comedy. Like they they're they're purists. You get you run into yeah. some purists in New York big and, time. And I think, like, what started happening there is I began to realize how much I was taking comedy for granted. I realized how lucky I'd gotten. I realized how special the stage was. And I realized that because my mind was not connecting with it in a way where I was loving it and that my material was not up to where I wanted it to be and the shit I was writing I wasn't that interested in and I was writing out of a sense of desperation or fear I just didn't like what I was saying up there all these things started connecting mm-hmm. to where I start I just realized like this is not the kind of stand up I want to be doing the state these audiences deserve people who love what they're fucking doing and god damn it if I'm taking like 11 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever the time is in New York away from a comic who's really in love with the art form at the time so I could get up there and regurgitate jokes that I've been doing forever. That was, to me, it seemed kind of unethical. It seemed like really not cool to the audience. It seemed disrespectful to the fucking art form of stand-up. It seemed to fly in the face of like a lot of the comics I love who taught me stuff. And so... I, I, it wasn't a sudden decision, but that was how I was feeling. Then my dad passed away, and that hit me pretty hard. But then I had a baby at the same time. And then another thing I can't talk about happened. It's a, a great thing that people find out about soon enough. Yeah. So all these things intersected, and it was like, oh, well, I've got some excuse, really good excuses to take a fucking break from doing stand-up. And and then I just took a break, and I. Uh, not to, not to cut you off. I'm interested though. Please. Were you when you started having this lull in your writing and and or performance? Did you you knew your father was going to pass away? Mm. And was that present in the reason that perhaps that's why your comedy was suffering? No, that wasn't. That was. It was a you know a lot of things were sort of converging at converging once. at once and. Uh, it, it just was like, but all that bullshit aside, man, it was just, I wasn't being fun. I wasn't funny. I wasn't, I just, you know, I don't know how to explain it, except it was what I, I felt like I was being mediocre. Right. And I, and I was not putting the time into it that I'm putting into it now. And I wasn't, my heart wasn't in it. And it was just like, 
it, it was embarrassing and it was not right. And so I don't know how to, I, you, I, I, I think you're saying it. I know, I, I know it's frustrating to try to say, but I, yeah. I know what you're saying. Like I understand, yeah. um, I, like I understand what you're saying because it's, we all have these lulls and moments and yours was heavy. And it, heavy, and it was just so heavy that I rem- I'm not going to say the comedian's name, not uh, just out of respect, but I remember when I first started comedy, I was waiting in line for her last comic standing uh, outside of the Hollywood Improv, sleeping on Melrose Avenue outside of Fred Siegel. And yeah. like it was maybe the second season or something. I don't even remember oh, what it was. Man. And then um, this, this comedian, she said uh, she had kind of been around for a while at that time. Like I had known her from she had done stuff before and she was waiting in line behind us. And uh, she said, you know, I took two years off when my brother died um, because I was so unfunny that it was rude to pretend that I was a stand-up comedian anymore. And I was like, wow, did you think you were going to quit forever? And she was like, no. Um, But I just knew I just needed to not do comedy right then. Fuck yeah. It was kind of a weird awakening because I was just getting to the beginning of my career. And back then, I was like, fuck that shit, dude. Like... (laughs) What do you mean, dude? Once you quit, you're gone. Because I was young. I didn't. Yeah. I I really did feel that way. I remember thinking that it could be that way. Well, but in retrospect, now that I'm older and, and a little bit more informed, both in life and in comedy, it ma- it makes more 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 sense than anything I've ever kind of experienced in comedy. Was like sometimes life happens, and you have to figure out what your adjustment levels are for your professional life and your career, like. There's a balance that people don't understand that we also have to be humans and be comics. That's and true. I think that when these things are coexisting, it's hard to fucking admit that you want to not do something anymore. It take, well, the thing is, it's not hard if you're not a comedian. Sure, right, it's right. It's fucking right. hard if you're a comedian. Yeah. And But to me, it's if you can stop doing stand-up, then you're probably not a comic. Right. If you Period. can cease, right. If you can really just stop and you just, it's over and you're not going to do it anymore, mm-hmm. then that's to me a victorious realization because it's like you have freed yourself and from a, a, an endeavor that was bringing you no joy. Right. And more importantly, you've freed the audiences from witnessing a fraud. And, 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 and these are, and all more, really more importantly, you freed up stage time for people who are spending the night in front of fucking clubs because they love it that much. Right. These are all really good decisions to make. And I knew in my mind, I was like, if I stop doing this and I don't want to do it anymore, then that's okay. Right. I don't mind fully admitting like oh yeah that wasn't for me i don't know why i was into that shit but and i was prepared for that but really the reality was a bunch of shit happened in my life that was incredibly stressful incredibly heartbreaking and that produced a a good time to not do stand-up and then now i fucking love it if I don't call into the store, I'm like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> if I have to fucking cancel now, right. which I had to do because I was sick, I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Do I just go in there sick as fuck? I yeah. just want to, you know, do I want to just do it. And that's what it used to be like for me. And now it's happening. Now it's that way again, thank God. And it's wonderful. And I'm writing again. And I have all new jokes. And it's like, great. But there's no way I could have gotten there by fucking 
just getting on stage like a zombie, like right. someone stuck in some horrific loop, like some sit, literally like someone who wandered out of a senior citizen's home or something and was just muttering the same 15, like someone with a head injury. a car accident guy? He's back. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, if you're like, I remember like if like something came up where the spot wasn't happening or I would be happy. That's not good. That's a bad man. place to be. That's a bad place bad to be. Place You're to not be. working in a fucking factory, man. You're not like this is like this is like the an, a beautiful thing that you get to be a part of by some crazy stroke of luck. And so anyway, so that I agree with you, man. I think like in any pursuit yeah. that involves creativity and art, you need to find well there's a saying in Buddhism that I love, not too tight, not too loose. So it's like if you, with comedy, if you get poverty mentality, not just f- about money, but ab- about the abundance of your imagination to produce jokes, right? and you start trying to like squeeze jokes out of the asshole of your brain, <laughs> like you're constipated, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're yeah. just like, and now you're writing fucking stupid jokes about shit you saw on Twitter or yes. whatever. And stuff that you don't really <laughs> even find funny. Yeah, that's what happens. You'll start writing stuff that you yourself read back and go, "That's not funny." I know that's not funny. Yeah, what am I going to fucking sell them this product? And even worse, you're not interested in. Yeah, it. not even not, a little bit. Like at the very least, be interested in the shit up there that you're talking about, right? Because they can smell it on you. Yeah, isn't it weird when you say a shitty, when you are saying shitty, worthless jokes? They yeah. can smell it on you. Mm. It's like the, It's like you radiate the bullshit. They know. Yeah, as as much as as much as people say like, uh, someone's like, oh, our audience. You think audiences are dumb or smart? Or are they getting smarter or dumber? I will say this: I don't give a fuck how smart or educated the audience is. People instinctively feel your bullshit. They can. You could be the best salesman around. The be- the sociopath genius of being able to manipulate someone's emotions. Sure. When you're telling a joke that you yourself don't find that funny, yeah, they can fucking tell. They can tell. They could be the most blank-minded, empty-headed idiot, yeah, and they could tell that you don't really think it's that funny. Oh yeah. Even if they don't care, if the crux of the joke is something they don't even wouldn't even get in a thousand years, yeah. they can just tell in their being that it's like this guy doesn't fucking think that's funny. He doesn't think he's funny. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. That is the determining yeah. factor to me yeah. over being a stand-up. Who's really like putting the effort in, and someone that's kind of waning through, or or, or kind of like sitting in it. it. It's really strange when you're like kind of just sitting in it to be in it for a little bit and do it. You can feel it. That's why when someone's like the thing, quote unquote, like the oh he's got she's got the thing. The thing is just being able to buy into your own shit. That's right. You have man. to buy your shit. Like. Yeah. If I'm not eating it, why the fuck am I feeding it to these people? What a, what a weird world, you know? Like that's right. Man. Why would I? Yeah, that's fucked up. It's like the old the idea of why you cheers a glass. You know, you would cheers a glass to have your beer spill on my beer in case you poisoned me. You know, that was kind of an old really. That's an old adage. Yeah, that because God. everything was wood, so wood would smash hard and not break. Right, glass would crack now, but you would smash beer to make sure that someone that poured you a drink or a beer wasn't diluted or poisoned or have any. That's why you look people in the eye too to make sure they're not a liar. Crazy. Yeah, you just the cheers to make sure people aren't full of shit. Now, this may be an old, you know, what are that? What are those called? Um, you know, like social adage or something yeah. or whatever. But whether or not that's true, that's the same kind of idea. If I'm Whoa. not believing it, why the fuck do I think that? Why would I think you're going to believe it? Right. The hardest part in comedy, by the way, is to make sure that all of your shit 
for me personally, I guess I shouldn't speak for, but I, the hardest thing is to make sure that I really do think that's fucking funny. Because if I don't think it's funny, I promise I can't sell it. If I'm, if I think it's funny, I sell the shit out of it. Right. I'm a, fu- I'm a fucking genius salesman if I really like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sell an Eskimo and an icicle. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I could do it if I buy it. Yeah. But if I don't, nope get ready get ready to watch me know in front of you it's bad right (laughs) yeah that's right and when you came back when you finally decided you want to what was the what was the spark what was the um you know what was the impetus to be like i i feel like i need to do this now right well i'd been so i i i realized that i well one i i realized i was ready to get back on stage but I was now, and st- I wasn't getting on stage because I didn't want to get on stage. It's it's Morse code. Hello. No, it's Morse code. That oh. it, ju- it just said everything's okay. Oh. I, I have a private jet fly over once in a while. Oh, and send me Morse code to, to find out what's going on in oh, our neighborhood Morse around. Oh, Morse man. Yeah, Morse yeah, man. Those yeah, Morse are cool, man. man. Yeah. Those are important too. It cost me seven hundred thousand dollars. Fucking expensive. It's, but it's really worth, a ripoff. But, then, but you know things are okay now. <laughs> That's the relief, <laughs> the relief that washes through you knowing... I feel you're, fine. You're fine. I, I feel, feel fine. fine. I feel fine. The impetus was... So suddenly I began to realize that my not getting on stage was no longer my lack of inspiration to go on stage, but fear. Right. Now I was not going on stage because I knew that I would be punished by the gods of comedy and I would have to eat shit. I would have to eat big fucking buckets of... Hot, hot fucking summer warmed up diarrhea. diarrhea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I knew that, <laughs> and so I knew that <clears throat> I was going to have to, more than likely, deal with that level of deep humiliation, and because I had not done, I had not been working out, and I was going to go to the comedy store and, which is a ch- place for like champion level comedians yeah it's, having, it's it's the it's the pinnacle ring it's the, like the top yeah, tier yeah yeah and i would have to go there and fucking eat shit so then i start not then i realized oh cool now i'm just being a coward instead of being a fraud right. and that was pretty cool because it's like okay awesome i'm just scared now because i don't want to eat shit and then luckily i have an amazing very supportive wife who was like just go if she just started telling me every week, you just call in, just, just call in, just do it. And then I did it, thank God. And they gave me spots again, thank God. And then it wasn't, it was, this wasn't what you would call comedy special level material because it was all fucking brand new shit. But it was a delight. It was wonderful. And it felt good yeah. and it worked and it felt good to be home and hanging out with you. We've got yeah. to hang out there and hanging out with the comics and the community and being back in the place. It's just so vibrant and alive, and now my heart feels good again. I feel okay again, and it's like, oh, cool. I'm a comic. I just, my dad died. I got freaked out. And, like, yeah, and that's the best. Because it is important. You know, you can separate comedy as the art form that it is, and that's true, but it's also the community. It's also the whole whole thing, the, the connections Standing in the hallway with like Whitney Cummings and Jeff Garland, they're helping me punch up a fucking joke just on the fly. And you're like, this is, he- I am in heaven. How do I, get- this is the best thing ever. That is, that is one of those things. I mean, listen more to Whitney than Jeff, but but yes, but definitely. <laughs> <laughs> 
She no, that, is a that's, great joke she's writer, phenomenal. man. Jesus but that in Christ. itself is what I'm talking about. The joke of the jokes that we get to have with one another is so yes. fun to be able to like. Yes. Those things are so what makes that place the thing. Yeah, man. Well, I'm happy you're you're I'm happy you're back. Thanks, I think man. it's I think it's when I the first time I saw you come back and do comedy, I don't even know how long ago it was, but I was sitting in the room with Egit uh watching you and I was like, it's so fun to watch you specifically, but the reason that I was enjoying it was because the difference in personalities that go up on that stage. Yeah. It's so unique. That's, I know. From like Joey Diaz to you, to Jesselnik to me, yeah. to Dalia to, like none of these people have anything really comedically in common other than no. being funny. Yeah. No. That's it. And that, that that's the great job that Adam's doing because phenomenal. that was Mitzi's, when I was the talent coordinator there, man, that was like really one of her focuses yeah. was how do we make not like not how do we make this the most diverse show not diverse in the way like in race you know, it didn't have to be race it was just diverse in comedy no she meant like literally like she, the way comics dress the way they look their the shit that she would know the shit they were going through yeah you know, or like, uh, you know, and she also understood the conflicts comics have there and how fun she thought it was funny to take comics who were fighting and make them bring each other up. Yes. If you were to break up. Adam, God, do, Adam does that sometimes. It's one of the funniest things yeah. you can do. Well, like Brennan and I had like this weird bullshit beef that we've squashed and it's gone. We talked about it on the show and all this. I had him on the show to talk about it. Which Brennan? Neil Brennan. Neil Brennan. Oh, Neil Brennan. Neil Brennan. You guys Brennan. had a thing? Yeah. 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 Damn yeah. it. The fans know. I fucking went over it like hardcore. But Brennan and I butted heads and we talked about it pretty openly on the podcast over why and why we've since resolved and everything's okay again. But Adam would fucking make me bring him bring me up or vice versa that's great yeah it was why and he knew and he would just kind of was like i don't know man those are the good slots you're getting the good times but i knew he knew you know what i mean like he knew but i was also like you could move me one down it's still in the best time slot that i'm getting i was getting i'm getting phenomenal time slots you know it's like you can move me one away but he wanted it to sit a little bit and by the way i i, I will tell you um it made me a stronger comic. Yeah. It was crazy because vindictively I wanted to perform so hard when I would go up after him. Like I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to murder. You know what I mean? <laughs> not, not to like blow him out of the water or anything. I just wanted to make sure that I still shined as a comedian because of my insecurity of our fights. Our, our fight was bullshit and I was angry at the fact that I lost a friend. So I was mad. I wanted to crush Wow. Yeah. And I fucking would. I would go on and I felt on top of the world. And it wasn't a fuck you to him at all. It was a testament of my own like frustration and ability to use that to fuel whatever I was writing or whatever was going on. So I think it was extremely divisive on Adam's behalf. But but good. It wasn't like I never went up there. Was like fuck Neil or I. It's never like we we never. He always gave me great intros. It's not like he used any of that negatively towards me. That's the one thing you could fucking hate the next person at the at the store. You could literally be like, that person's yeah, a bad person who I absolutely. don't enjoy. I'm still going to bring them on with as much professionalism as I have anyone Fuck else. Yes. yes. To me, that's one of the, like, you have to do that. Yep. You, and I don't, like, apply many rules to comedy. Right. Most don't exist. But God damn it. Yeah. If, when you bring up the next fucking comic, you better make it seem like Jesus Christ is coming, is coming back. <laughs> And, and, and because it's like you're at this at that point, it's not whoever you have beef with or don't have beef with, or you don't like their comedy, you do like whatever the fuck it is. It's not them. 
It's a comic that's coming on stage in front of an audience to perform. And that fucking audience got babysitters and that audience is paying mm, a two drink minimum. Mm, People mm. are on a fucking date and they took a risk on a date to a comedy show. Right. You don't know what's going to fucking happen. So that audience is like really the sum total of all the energy that went into the, you know how it is when you're married. Date nights are important, man. Yeah, I must. And then you add a fucking kid to that. And so you've finally gotten out of the house for a second, maybe the first time out of the house since you had the baby. Yeah. That's a big night. So you're bringing the next comic up for them in that spirit, which is like, I know you guys, it wasn't easy to get out here. Here's an amazing fucking comic. And then if the comic bombs or whatever. It's on them. It's on them. Right. But it had nothing to do with your shitty thing. I hate that, man. Yeah. When a comic brings somebody up and the sl- just a slightly snarky fucking way unless yeah. they're doing a character yeah and let if they're if, you, if things are different if you're doing a character yeah different if it's a character but we know when that we know when the difference is yes you yeah. know when someone is being defiant just because like you know when someone is you know when someone's just like uh who who is it and they bring him and they're like uh i hope you like uh, this guy uh, he's what uh this is uh bob uh, bob weiner you know what i mean like it's so rude it's it's like saying i don't give a fuck about anybody but myself, yeah. and you shouldn't even care about these guys uh, other than me. You should only care about me. I don't give a fuck if I've never met you. It's the same as if I hated you. If I had blank feelings about you, I'm still going to go, oh, shit, oh, this next comic, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not, it's not me being dishonest to the audience. It's me setting the comic up to achieve what they've worked hard for. Yeah. It's just being like, hey, I'm giving you the ability to run through. Now, if you fall... Well, that's on you. That's on you. But I want to pass the baton well. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's like did you fucking do you ever run track? Have you ever run track? And you no. Do, like the relays are fucking. By the way, it's they're impossible. Relays are so hard to do. I, it's so whenever I if I like whenever I see it in the Olympics and shit, you're like, just running is the challenge. How can you outrun other people? Yeah. Right. That's the challenge. When you add a fucking device to it that you wow. have to re, that you have to hand to someone. And they have to time your speed with their speed, and they have to begin running at a certain Whoa. distance so they can catch to you. I never thought of that. It's it's it is a bananas technique. It it, it is a crazy. Some weirdo was like, and what if they had to pass off a thing? And you don't just stand there and Whoa. wait to get it. You have to start running, and they have to get it within your rhythm of your. You got new speed. They've got old speed. They're dying down on their Holy part. Shit. You're just beginning. So that to me is that that's kind of the metaphor for handing a baton off to the next comic is like you have to match, you know, your end of you're done with your set, but you still have to just kick it into fucking fifth gear so you can hand this off so they can fucking start up the ramp. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. Yeah, that is what you just said is really trippy to me only because like that baton handing thing. Yeah. On a symbolic level is really cool because like that's one of the crazy things about stand-up and it was the way so so it's like stand-up comedy is a very pure i like the comedy store because it's like the purest form of university there could be which yeah. is that you don't apply you don't send in a fucking thing you don't have a gpa they don't care about your credits they do a little bit but like I know because I've talked to Adam about people who have great fucking credits. And he's just like, you know, let me show you something. I remember once I was trying, there was someone, a friend of mine who's got great credits, fucking funny person too. But he's like, I want to show you something. 
I've got three, three spots maybe that I can. And then like he was like telling me the comics that wanted those spots. I mean, these are people who are like sell at Carnegie Hall and shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it's like, but it's not just that. He's got. He's he's. Thank Christ, honoring Mitzi's system, which is there's also people there who no one's heard of yet. Yeah, and they have to be heard too. Developed, and they have to be. So it's like the way you get in there is mysterious. It's different for everybody. Yeah, everyone's got a funny story about how it happened. Yeah, and I love that about that place, which is just such a pure fucking thing. But then the other thing that happens there is really beautiful too, because it's like you don't get a professor, but you might get like. Somebody like Rogan or some successful comic sees you and thinks, shit, I think that person, I think that person's funny. Yeah. And then they just start hanging out with you or talking to you or just whatever. And then they start passing the baton in this fascinating way. And so you see this like, uh, and you see the very same thing in like spiritual communities. You see the very same thing in all kinds of communities where it's like, and I love what you said about having to sync up. Because it's like, if you're a really good mentor, you don't expect someone to be where you're at. No. You sync up with where they're at and then, like, figure out a way to, like, pass the baton to them in a way. At the right time. At the right time. Right. That honors them and also respects the fact they might run with that baton in a completely different way. Right. But that's cool, man. That's a really beautiful... Pass the motherfucking baton. Pass the baton if you can. <laughs> cheers to passing cheers the baton. Cheers to passing the baton. Dude, this, is, uh, this has been wonderful. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm so it's happy that blast. you came. Honestly, this was like... I, I'm being genuine. I, don't, I haven't said this. The reason that I was so excited to have you on is because you're one of these people that I can have fun with and be goofy and then get deep and very real and then go right back into goofy... And I feel like that's the rhythm that I enjoy the most. Cool. And Likewise. you've got a great comedy brain and a great human, regular, deep, uh, caring brain. And these things that come together make me want to have sex with you. We'll do it, we man. We can't. Dude, I can't, well, man. what? She's home. So? Shut up. She's home. She'll like it. <laughs> they love that. So plug... Uh, are you going out on the road or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Say it, baby. So my first set out on the road is going to be happening. It's late January at the Denver Comedy Works oh. downtown. My outside of the Comedy Store, the best, the best. Wait a minute, dude. I think I'm just before you. I'm are at you Denver really? Comedy Works. Um, this is funny. I might. What if I'm the week right before you? I go to Denver Comedy Works January 16, 17, 18. Are you 23, 24? Yeah. Dude, you're right. So we'll fucking be cool. consecutive. Um, I'll leave you a gift, by the way. I always ah. like to leave a gift. Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. I'm going to leave a gift for you. I, I did it for, I've done it for a few people. Sickler, Ryan Sickler, I left him some weed in uh, in Arizona. I'd like to leave a little bit of gift if I know the comic that's coming next. That's sweet, man. I'm yeah. going to fucking pick that up. I wonder who's I, following I, I, I want it to start happening. Like, I, I don't know why we don't do that. If you know a comic is coming next, we should start like uh, giving a little piece of encouragement or fun or I, I don't know drugs. Drugs. Drugs is really what I'm talking drugs about. Drugs is <laughs> the best thing. If you Pass really down drugs, please. Xanax. Yeah, Xanax. Xanax or uh, or even something simple. Maybe a little bit of cough medicine because you heard they're not feeling that good. You know, something real simple, something really nice. A pair of socks. Ketamine. Yeah, I mean we're really going at the opposite ends of the spectrum. But I <laughs> I say socks. You say I was thinking of shit. I if you could leave some ketamine, so um, you can go to uh, Duncan's website. We'll put it in the description. Is it DuncanTrussell.com? That's is that what it. it is? DuncanTrussell.com. We'll put it in the website. Um, 
to go see him in January and the rest of the tour of for him in 2020. Uh, also, uh, check out his podcast. I imagine literally everywhere podcasts are humanly yeah. available. Audio Boom is what it's on. Audio, yeah. audio Your boom. podcast goes up this week. This Yes, yeah, yeah. They're available everywhere. If you have access to podcasting, you know exactly how to get them. I know people fight all the time over what they're on and what they're not on. I promise they're everywhere. If you Larry Struman, 798 Oak Glen Terrace has my podcast in his house. <laughs> he does? You have to go get it from him. Does Larry They're have it? little USB drives, yeah. So you just have to go pick it up. So go to Larry Struman's house, pick it up. Please send him a voicemail. You have to call this number. It is a fax line. Yeah. But if you speak uh, your time of day that you're coming, it will fax him the time of day. You and obviously you have to do it at pull, military time. You pull his dick yeah. out of his ass yeah. and right there tucked in his an episode of my show. As an episode of the show in in his ass. So take the dick out. There's there will, will be yeah. a USB in there. That's right. Of yeah. Show. So please, yeah, please go down there. <laughs> He's an awesome dude too. Thank you, Larry. Go see Larry Truman. Um, I uh, I'm gonna walk away for a second, and I want you to say one final thought. It's either like a word or a phrase. Okay, right into camera. Go ahead and do it. Whoa. Okay. Uh, acknowledge the wave, but stay with the ocean. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. Oh, that creature in the ginger beard.